¿Qué pasa cuando muero? ¿Qué pasa cuando muero? ¿Qué pasa cuando muero? What happens when I die? With me, TW1. I don't know what uh where to start off because, like I said, I like this to have a very casual feel of just you know friends kind of talking. I'll ask a couple of questions uh, just to get. You just said Alaska unintentionally. I did. I went to Alaska back in February, came back, immediately got COVID. <laughs> so those moose, man. Yeah, I was. It went from one form of isolation to the other. <laughs> I've yet to go to Alaska. It's the only state I've not been to. I loved it. I would like to move there for maybe a couple of years just to like really experience all the seasons a couple of times. Uh, I saw a lot of moose. I saw more moose shit than I did actual meese, mooses. Uh, but I did see a couple. Motherfuckers are huge. Big. I was like, yeah, I, and <laughs> I knew they were big, but they were like <laughs> big big mm-hmm. and very territorial and sometimes extremely dangerous yeah there was one about a hundred feet away with like its calf and my parents pulled over so we could get a picture um and my parents opened the door and i saw the mother turn its head and they're like do you want to come out and see it and i was like fuck no it knows we're here absolutely not <laughs> it brings up a weird thought i can't really think of any animal that given the correct circumstances isn't dangerous. You know, like certain animals always get like a bad rap. Like, yeah. Well, if you get in between its cub and it's going to charge at you, it's like, well, yeah. So will a, a, a woman at Walmart, if you're messing with her toddler or something, you know, so will a, a cheetah or a Jaguar or whatever. I mean, why would you be surprised at that? Yeah. I'm trying to think, of an animal maybe maybe like maybe domesticated rabbits and that's like a hard i don't find them very trustworthy no i mean there's so much folklore about rabbits where they're like mischievous and i mean even like look at bugs bunny that man would go as far Mm -hmm. as dressing up as a sexy lady just to fuck around with a bald guy. Like, no other reason than just to ruin this guy's day. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> I fall madly in love with a woman, and then she reveals she's a jackrabbit. Once again, yeah, my heart I've been is thinking broken. about letting my hair grow out because of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how have you been? Yeah, you Any... know, being, a, being a vegetarian, I always smell like carrots, you know? Oh, yeah, that'll do it. That and the fact that you just carry around uh, pockets full of snacking lettuce, I think, is a... Uh... This is true. 
I occasionally do have weird little treats like that in my pockets, you know, because yeah. I can literally count, you know, it's less than 15 people in my entire life who have ever seen me eat food. Yeah, I know for a fact I'm one of them. I've seen you eat twice, no, three times in our entire friendship. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is over a decade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, like, and I think we only ever ate together once. And that was uh, some, we microwaved some pizza rolls at your house. Mm-hmm. And that's strange. It had to be like a, Go ahead. like a dire situation of needing food. I think we had been like I've I've had people commented on on before. Like I have a friend of mine named Guy Unger, who's a guitar mm-hmm. player, and we were at this at the doghouse bar, and they were ordering all kinds of chicken wings and fries and stuff. And they kept offering if I wanted any, and I said no, and then. His wife Mandy played uh, saxophone in my band in like two thousand six, seven, eight, and they both sort of had the epiphany, like you know, we've known you for fifteen years, and I've never seen you ingest anything but Dr Pepper and beer. Yeah. It's like, why do you think I look so young? Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's like that's. Uh, I think that's what all of the. Uh, those Indian gurus who claim that they've never eaten. I think they're living off of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Pilsner's, Lager, and Dr. Pepper. You get all of your calories from the, beer, from the beer. You don't need, you don't need anything mm-hmm. else. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe a multivitamin, but that's not food. That's not something you, you, like, uh, you ingest it, but it's not something you masticate. Or hopefully you don't. Or maybe if they're like not, the Flintstones gummies, because those are technically chewables. Multi multivitamin would be like a Jello shot. <laughs> Where like like it counts, but it maybe doesn't a, count. Maybe a peanut. Yeah. I wonder. Do you do that? Maybe because and you don't have to answer. I'm just gonna throw some some ideas out. Is you either uh, consume macronutrients when nobody's paying attention so things that are very very mineral heavy but light so like you're saying you're snacking carrots where everybody turns to look at something you just pop a couple in your mouth real quick um or you are constantly connected to an iv that has all of the vitamins and minerals you need for the day or you eat as much as you can before you leave and hope that you don't get hungry while you're out on your adventure for the day. Uh, kind of none of those actually, as I've always like for since before we knew each other. So over 10 years, I've always been a faster. I didn't even realize I was fasting till I f- realized that was a thing people did, but yeah. I've always never been like a, uh, always never been, um, I've always sort of had this thing where I I don't like the heavy feeling of the whole three meal a day thing. Like when I was in middle school and, and junior high and high school and stuff, like I, I very, very rarely would eat at school. Mm-hmm. And if I did, it'd be like an apple or something, not during lunch. Yeah. You know? And 
I've just always been somebody that would that goes through the whole day, doesn't have breakfast or lunch, and then has a, a big dinner. Or if I know I'm going to leave the house and have to be, you know, playing a show or going to a jam or something, I'll eat in the afternoon, and then it'll be 24 hours before I eat anything else. I might have, you know, a couple of beers or a, a Coke or something in between there. Yeah. And other than that, it's just water or juice. Yeah. I've pretty much always been that way. That's there are going to be people. And I wasn't like a plan. It's yeah. just natural. There are going to be people like in uh, in our circle back there that are going to be like, so that's how he did it. <laughs> Do you remember the time we were? So people who are like listening to this episode, I just want to explain you and I, we've known each other for 11 years now. We met when I was 18 years old. Uh, we mm-hmm. met in a coffee house during an open mic night. I mentioned I liked punk. That's not true. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was an open mic night, wasn't it? No, I met you. You were working at the Mellow Mushroom when I was playing there. Oh yeah, we met then. We talked a little bit, and then we truly conversated at the open mic because you pointed me out. You were like, "Do you like these bands?" I was like, "Not really. I'm into punk." And then you went like, "You were like." Uh, are you like a a uh, a DC punk person, an East Coast, West Coast punk? And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And I was really thrown because you showed up in bell bottom pants, flip flops, and yeah. like a, a a paisley shirt. And I was like, there ain't no way this mm-hmm. motherfucker knows about punk. And then yeah. you you scolded me instantly to the point where I just I I was too afraid to talk. yeah well that's just time frame more than anything because there was a point in time when you know i had the 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 spiked hair and the you know the whole head to toe like he obviously listens to punk rock and ska and that whole thing and yeah i just you know I've always liked suits and I've always liked Paisley and bell bottoms. And I still have, you know, I've got four or five dead Kennedy's t-shirts and misfits and no effects and all that stuff. Yeah. I still wear it. Uh, but to me, once I had that sort of revelation, you know, seeing certain punk shows and where to me, it felt like more um, like being your, your authentic self. If I felt like wearing a punk shirt and ended up at a punk show, cool if i happen to have on a button up and a tie and i still like the music like so this whole scene that's just not supposed to be about judging they're all showing up in a uniform essentially yeah and it's like well that's that's conforming i thought that was sort of against the whole thing i should look more punk than you fuckers all do yeah because i showed up here dressed like the way i want to dress you know? yeah there's and that's like that brings up a weird thing like if you think about a lot of the genres of music where it's like, you know, hardcore punk or the psychedelic rock or reggae or something, they all have a particular uniform, a look to them. Mm-hmm. But most of their politics are very, very similar. And you start seeing in like the 80s and stuff where ska and punk starts mixing in reggae and different things. And it all becomes sort of a, a mass thing of everybody kind of getting together. But then there's still these weird little pockets in the scene that where it's like all the hippies should die. Yeah, it's like you're talking, you're singing songs about like 
you don't want wars and you, you hate the, the, the deep state and the big state and all this. Like, that's the same thing they're talking yeah. about. You're literally don't like each other over clothing at this point. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, you both you both constantly do hallucinogenics and agree that we should smash the patriarchy. But, like, you just hate yeah. each other because, like, one side of you. Because I've noticed, like, because a lot of my punk friends are getting older. And as they get older, they tend to just naturally become more, more hippie, quote unquote. I think it's just, like, the natural progression of a punk to just be, like, like fuck the government we're gonna smash all of this to like fuck the government i'm gonna vibe and they can do nothing about it and like the young punks because i'm in that phase right now where like the realization of like oh like i can still be punk and wear like a button-up vest with a pot pocket watch because people will like look at me and then i'll say something fucking weird where i'm like you realize that like cavemen didn't have to vote and they'll be like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? But it's still like a real... Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to go to a hardcore show. Maybe the next one I go to, I'm going to go three-piece suit, nice shoes. I'm going to carry a briefcase. Because when I run out into the pit and I start slam dancing and papers start flying everywhere, people are going to be like, oh, this old man is mm-hmm. punk. Uh, that would be hilarious. Yeah. Like uh, somebody knocks you down and you like freak out and run out with like a 90s big antenna cell phone yelling about the <laughs> stock market. Just freak everybody out. Like, see a time traveler? What just yeah. happened? Pop a quaalude. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> it's this new company called Apple. <laughs> Have you guys heard about these things? Personal computers? I don't think they're going to mean anything. Just a fad. Mm. Just a fad, a flash in the pan. One thing I've noticed is... Yeah, but that, what you're talking about, sorry, uh, that, it's very similar, like, if you think, like, the early Beatles days playing, like, the Cavern and Hamburg and stuff, they didn't have the genre and the sound, but they were a punk band. They were doing, wearing toilet seats around their necks and cursing, smoking, drinking on stage, knocking people over, breaking shit. They were a punk band. They didn't give a shit. Yeah. And then you see them and then they naturally turn into what psychedelic rock and give peace a chance. All you need is love. Same people, same mentality. Just dress a little different. Yeah. You just, and then they just started dressing normal. You start to, you start to mellow out and realize that like the, the, or at least for me, the way to change surroundings and other people's opinions is to like, work on yourself first and like i oh man yeah i'm gonna correlate it to like uh the christ figure right or as i like to call him uh uh guru yoheshua just to upset christians because they'll be like that's not a real guy and i'm like oh you dummies but uh with guru (laughs) yoheshua his big thing was like don't worry like the government is so high and like outside of your grasp don't even fucking bother with it focus on the people around you and immediately begin to change their lives because that's where the ripple effect is going to come it's a very like traditional anarchist concept of like help the person next to you and they'll help the person next to them and this all started because you decided to help yourself 
And if you keep your circle close, a lot of times if you, you'll be the one standing next to them. So if you're the one that needs help, it's reciprocated. Yeah. And the world thus becomes a better place. Yeah. And so ding, ding, ding. <laughs> for all you young punks out that there. When we, were, when we were talking about a second ago, it reminds me of that time you lost your shit cracking up. When I, I went to that Less Than Jake concert, and because punk to me, as far as clothing goes, a lot of times I always, I leaned more towards the comedic and make people uncomfortable shit. Yeah. You know, obviously, like Spice Guys and all this, the, di- or us wearing the dinosaur costumes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But remember, you saw the photograph of me standing with the band Less Than Jake, and I had on a real big fish t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, That's a... That was, that, they weren't even on the bill, and, and you know I have less than Jake T-shirts, but I wore the real big fish one just as a like, haha. Yeah, yeah. I so one thing I've noticed, and I don't think we've we've talked about this. I've come out as non-binary. I dress however I want. I own, you know, I have half a closet full of women's clothes because because sometimes I feel like being beautiful, and I'm not gonna let any kind of old school standard keep me from being the pretty lady I am sometimes. Uh, but I've noticed like in my, in some of the scenes here, like the comedy scene in my area, half of the people who are like punk rockish kind of comedians are like, if I show up in, in a more feminine presentation, they're like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, you're still you like who gives a shit? You're still funny as fuck. And then the other half just like, look at me and give like a quick, Hey, and like that's it and it's like bruh how are you like punk if you can't accept somebody's like individuality like if that's who someone is <coughs> it kind of blows my mind well they're brainwashed into the terminology of everything yeah it's like it, i think i think part of it is a lot of punks fall into the like uh the dichotomy of like culture and counterculture that like culture makes room for the counterculture so even though you think you're rebelling yeah. against it, you're still within the frame of something that's already been established. Well, I mean, it's something as simple as like you saying, uh, you know, you wanted to dre- show up to a show dressed more feminine. It's like, well, no, it's not masculine. It's not feminine. Yeah. These these clothing styles were assigned to people. I mean, look at a kilt. It's what people now would call a skirt, but that was a hugely masculine thing at one point in time yeah so i mean no you just dress wear whatever fucking clothes you want to wear end of story quit trying to compartmentalize and turn it into oh he's wearing a girl shirt no he's just wearing a shirt that he likes yeah Yeah. you know and i also want almost i was like on a hair trigger to make a joke (laughs) but i want you were saying something important i didn't want to interject but you said you know you'd come out as non-binary and you got all these uh, different types of clothes in the closet. And I was thinking to myself, like, well, no, I mean, you came out. So <laughs> yeah, your clothes are yeah. free. You should just take take the door off of it. Yeah. You're not in the closet anymore. I'm just going to throw, I'm going to throw all the clothes together into just one pile, not a masculine and feminine clothing pile. Cause that's still a binary. I'm just going to throw it all together and grab whatever I'm going to wear. A, a, you should <laughs> a kilt and pasties and two different boots. You know, like sew a bra under the back of a suit jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Two left shoes. Fuck it. Who cares? Carry around a shovel. And we're like, what's that for? I'm going to be like, you never know when you got to dig. All right. No, uh, I'll just ask people. Well, let's just say I can dig it. And then 
shake the shovel a little bit, and then if they don't laugh, quick thwack. Mm-hmm. So right in the right in the back <laughs> of the head, and they're like fiddlesticks. So if you don't mind me asking, because we because this is like a death positive uh, kind of podcast, I know you can ask me literally anything. I don't care. Cool. Uh, you have a really interesting story. It's something we talked about, and you're so far from the people I've interviewed have. You're the only person who's been this close to it. Would you mind sharing that story? Which one? Uh, the car one. Oh, okay. So I've died a couple of times yeah. and almost died like 30. That's, um, well, I was dating abroad and caught her with uh, an illegal substance. And I was in, you know, trouble with the law at the time on probation and what have you. And I just couldn't fuck around and have any of that kind of stuff near me, you know, mm. and that it had happened numerous times. And that was just the final straw ended it. And then I got a phone call from an old friend of mine from Texas, literally, you know, um, within 20 minutes of kicking her out of the house and he wanted me to come to Texas, play some shows, help him build a skate park, the whole thing. So me and a dude I'd met like two days prior to that at a house party, jumped in my car, haphazardly filled with things and just went on our way. Got to Montgomery, Alabama. Dude fell asleep at the wheel early on a Sunday morning, I believe it was, and uh, rear-ended me going over 100. I had all my music gear in the back of the car. The back seat flew forward. Um, an amp, a Marshall amp, that was right behind the driver's seat, and I was driving. Uh, hit me in the back, broke it in a couple of places, collapsed both my lungs. My main Les Paul flew from the back seat, hit me in the head, caused what's called a massive subdural hematoma, i.e., a bleeding of the brain, knocked me out, and the car was completely totaled. The guy that hit us. Didn't get a scratch on him. Dude in the passenger seat of my car didn't get a scratch on him. He, he faked it later on saying he had back troubles just to get, you know, uh, $30,000 of the settlement money, which he then, you know, I mean, he was uploading pictures of himself surfing and doing all kinds of stuff while he was doing this. So it's all a bunch of, anyway. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I died for a couple of minutes, um, came back in the helicopter gave me emergency brain surgery to relieve, uh, gave me craniotomy to get all the blood out of my skull. And then I woke up, like, uh, woke up later, didn't know who I was, lost my entire memory. And, uh, had, I was in the hospital for a couple of months, had to relearn my whole life looking at, <clears throat> looking at photographs, old footage, um, drawings listening to my own music listening to music i had on my computer once i once i got was able to access it and get into it and movies and yearbooks and all that stuff and it slowly you know came back and it's weird because i mean that's been 11 years now and still um because i'm so conscious of my memory because of that i'll 
occasionally I'll see something. It'll make me think of something that I know for a fact I have not thought about since 1995 when I was a kid or something. And I'll, it's like, whoo, and I'll write it down, make sure I don't ever lose it again. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell. The, the moment between like blacking out and coming to in the helicopter, what, was that like was it like did it feel like a blink was it like a a was there i guess was there anything there for you honestly it's even kind of weirder is i lost so much of my memory but because of my head injury being so severe my immediate like most recent memories were the ones that i never regained back like there's I'd say maybe 80% of the like the year of 2010 is just gone. Yeah, and I've just I've never gotten any of it back. Even speaking to people, the girl I had been dating, friends, I mean there's I've watched footage of me hanging out at parties and talking and playing shows. I have no memory of it. Um so the last thing that the, one of the few memories that I have was actually um like maybe two or three nights before uh, before I uh, got in the car and left. And uh, I was sitting in that, that rocking chair in my garage drinking 40s mm-hmm. and listening to uh, Notorious B.I.G., if, if I can remember correctly. But so it's that. And then as far as my brain works i'm sitting in the rocking chair drinking 40s then i'm laying in a bed in alabama two months later with a uh, heart monitor on my finger and geez yeah it's just boop. like there's nothing i mean i'm sure there was some kind of activity going on yeah but i don't have any recollection of it so it like i don't remember leaving i don't remember the car accident itself nothing so it's all just from stuff i was told when after it the comes fact. to like that flash moment did it feel like was it like i guess how disorienting was it was it like uh did it feel like a time travel thing did it feel like like an alien abduction where like you were there and then just like flash now you're kind of trying to figure out you know this extended period of time that had just disappeared um it does more so now than it did at the time because at the time because of the head injury i mean i didn't I didn't know my name, you know, I didn't know what a hospital was, let alone why I was in one. I was just yeah. confused. Like I'll never forget. My parents told me this story of them putting a guitar in my lap, uh, and me just looking at it like, you know, what is this? And they were f- afraid that, you know, all that was gone and stuff. And it wasn't for multiple weeks later that I finally went, Oh, and like played a chord yeah. or whatever. So, but, um, so at the time it didn't, I, I didn't really have any understanding enough of anything to even put into like my thought process that it was like I time traveled cause I had really no understanding of what anything was. Yeah. You know, that's really, and I, and it was weird because the, the hospital room that I came to in didn't have a TV or anything in it. Yeah. Um, so I was just in this all white room, just kind of sitting for by myself for a lot of time. 
through like throughout the night and stuff. So I, I've always, I, that's one thing that didn't knock out of my head was the uh, my trouble with falling asleep I've had since mm-hmm. I was a toddler. Um, so I'd just be, I can recall just laying there not knowing what was going on. Yeah. And there was one night where I just stared at a, one of those, you know, those hospital Coke cans that are like an inch shorter than a normal Coke can yeah. that they gave you? Just staring at it and like I could physically feel in my head that I recognized the image of the Coke logo and the can and the shape and the whole thing. And, you know, because mm-hmm. bef- up until that point, you know, they'd have like a drink of something with a straw and they put it in my mouth and I, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, I was just super, so confused. I didn't really. So you had lost you know, like, no. <clears throat> so you, you'd, you'd even lost like um, semantic memory. So like context of what something was due to like uh uh previous experiences you know how like when you experience a chair every time you see a chair you have a good idea that it's a chair but like the concept of a chair for an example was basically just gone from your head yeah i mean the first couple of weeks i didn't really have a concept of pain being negative which is interesting and something i've tried to hold Mm. on to almost meditative style since then because I pulled out both of my chest tubes that were going into my lungs with my hands, just pulled them out and four or five catheters. Then they had to kind of strap me down. So I'd quit doing it. But I remember two or three of the catheters and I didn't have any concepts of pain. I was like, Oh, that's an interesting sensation. You know, like there was no negativity attached to it like or ow or anything. And so I had no problem doing it. Um, and like I, I remember peeing the bed a couple of times and not realizing what I was doing or that I was I sh- I, there was somewhere I needed to do that as opposed yeah. to here or into a bedpan or what have you. Uh, so you know, so it was like, uh, it was... and it's funny to go ahead. It's just funny to understand it now and think back, think back to it. You know, yeah, because you you were essentially like not not in a negative way, but you were like baby brained. Yeah. You had like a like a clean like a baby's clean slate of just the concept of things around you without any of like the the cultural or his- at the significance or anything like that. It's just like, oh, I need to piss, piss now. Mm-hmm. That's and it just I'm you know it would just start happening. Yeah, you get to a point where like, huh, oh look at that. <laughs> yeah, man, that's you know. But I was I was basically like. Not full on, but very close to like vegetative, but with my eyes open, I guess, for lack yeah. of a better way to describe it. There's probably a medical term for it, but I just got hit real hard in the head yeah, and crushed and stuff, you know, and I'm pretty sure I don't remember it, but I'm pretty sure that when the guitar hit me in the head, it probably threw my head into the steering wheel mm. too, you know, because yeah. that was a big crack in the steering wheel wheel where the um the horn thing was i assume and when here's something even fucking weirder to me though mm-hmm. is that i got hit in the head the the back broken lungs collapsed you know that sort of a big impact car crushed around me yeah but i didn't bleed you know like i had I, I, there's pictures of me in the hospital um i i just i got a, a cut and staples post-surgery and yeah. stuff you know like a week or two after that happened and i'm still confused my head's all misshapen and but i look fine like there was no 
you know, broken nose or bloodiness or bruising or anything. Like it yeah. was super weird how, how like drastic the wreck was. And the dude, like my, myself, the guy next to me did get a scratch. The dude who hit us, like, it's like, it, it's just weird, super sort of weird to me. Yeah. No blood, but way too many internal injuries. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So you don't have any like, because I mean, with the op- with the absence of memory, do you ever have flashes of like the moments of like I guess just to be blunt about it, the moments of death? Not from that particular experience. The only thing I remember in between the rocking chair and the hospital bed is one little image of being in the car with the guy who was in the car with me somewhere uh, during the road trip with him. He had a joint in his ear, like a cigarette that mm-hmm. he pulled out and he was, he told me later he, he kept messing with me, taking it out, trying to get me to smoke, which I, by then I didn't yeah. smoke pot anymore or anything. And he just held it and he was saving it for like a, a good moment during the road trip Jeez. or whatever. And I have like a little image of him doing that gesture and then putting it back in his ear. But other than that, that's the only thing in between them. Yeah. But when I, when I got accidentally shot in the arm and bled out, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't, I didn't die, but I got into that, that sort of thing where you you lose consciousness and you see the the sort of light, the fade out kind of stuff, the psychedelic sort of fading out thing. And, in that, you know, it just felt like um, very uh, peaceful and just vibey, you know, kind of like I was trapped inside of the, the intro to a Pink Floyd song or yeah. something. Was it like, was it similar yeah. to like slipping into a K-hole kind of vibe or like did a bunch of mushrooms and now like you're part of the grass and the tree you're laying up? against kind of vibe uh to me it was more like if the buddha smoked salvia oh man like it felt one and enlightened and not like a negative salvia like a beautiful like you do it right sitting next to a stream or something where it's just just geometric patterns and melting and things just flying in and out of your your field of vision and you're okay with it you're like i'm going somewhere i don't know where yeah. but like you i'm happy about it did it whatever happy is so it felt like a like a cell like a when you're on psychedelics and like you start to get that lift off feeling it was it was similar to that yeah and it a hundred percent didn't feel like it was like a machine winding down, you know, powering down, and it was the end. It felt like a mental um, layover, like I was on the way somewhere else. That's what it felt like. Whether that's true or not is obviously up for debate, but yeah, it felt like there's more things to do. Otherwise, why would I have been conscious enough to even have that thought yeah. in, in the moment? That's crazy. I don't know. It's kind of weird to so explain, I guess. Yeah, knowing, having experienced that sensation, 
what do you think happens to me when I die? Um, well, <clears throat> it's, it's about 40 years from now, every time I've meditated about it. Yeah. And, uh, you were going through this bizarre project after you'd come to the conclusion you wanted to, uh, be able to naturally and freely breathe underwater without any sort of apparatus. Okay. You know? Yeah. So science has gotten better, uh, particularly if a, like a person such as yourself has access to certain types of information and you had made a sort of personal alliance with a group of dolphins. Okay. And they were going to teach you ways to adapt underwater and not drown. Okay. But you, you had a weird kind of shifting of an eye towards this. Uh, I don't even know what the species would be called. Um, it's a large, large Kind of, it looks sort of like a lobster, sort of like a fish. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I'd have to look it up, but I can see it in my mind. And it happened to be a ex of a close friend of one of the dolphins. And then that dolphin, unfortunately, ends up betraying you and gives you wrong information in the final stages yeah. of your development. And you drowned. But he ends up getting banished because all the other dolphins really, really liked you. As they should. Yeah. So you become immortalized and in a similar way, ironically, not to go full circle, but like the monks, the Buddhist monks occasionally used to do, they made a statue of your likeness and then sealed, entombed and sealed you inside of it, a water, yeah. waterproof statue, and then placed you. And then uh, dolphins just forevermore would swim around it and tell stories of your greatness. While I'm in this statue, what is... Am I, am I like no brain activity dead? How aware am I in this? Am I like, am I preserved exactly at the brink of death and like that bizarre enlightenment uh, kind of phase you were talking about? Oh, your physical remains are in it. Your, your, um, your uh, consciousness itself has been long gone. Where since the water attack <laughs> where did my consciousness go after the water attack so my physical body is entombed in this statue that dolphins come to that i guess take a pilgrimage to admire what do you think would happen to my consciousness is it still around the dolphins is it in dolphin nirvana uh, from time to time you like to check back in on them yeah when i'm not checking usually in, you're kind of you're kind of floating around looking at celestial bodies and contemplating where everything came from. And you're kind of, in all honesty, you're sort of irritated um, a lot of the time because upon getting to that realm, yeah, you're at, you actually have more questions because no answers appeared. You're like, okay, well, there's life after death or whatever, but nobody has still not told me how or why I am here. Yeah. What is this? You know, now I'm just this weird thing. I can see through myself. I don't even have eyes. What the fuck's happening right now? So, and you're just that much more confused. Like all the gods, God, whatever is still like 
what you do your thing on that realm i guess i guess consciousness dies and it goes on to the next level at some point who knows when we'll actually get the answers yeah for what i've seen in my meditations you're you're pretty irritated just kind of that grumpy face looking at like a a black hole or a a supernova or something you kind of have to go back and look at the dolphins to not have an anger attack in the cosmos and I'm just, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there, just being like, "Oh, you poor things! You don't even know the boredom and loneliness that, that is soon to come to you." <laughs> yeah, because the concept of time wouldn't exist to where you've then gone to. Oh, as much, if at all. So th- I would see. You'd be seeing, you know, galaxies form yeah. and crash into others, black holes you know, sucking in at one particular universe and then blowing out the other end, a white hole, creating a whole other universe. And you're looking at that and you're like, but no one has told me why this works. Who put these laws in motion? And you can't, at that point, you can't even look up. There's not a book you can read. You don't have hands to hold it. You know, it's like you're that much more confused. And I I would, that's the curse of existence. And I would assume I would be able to see essentially every aspect or every moment of my life all at once. And I'm probably thinking like you dumb bitch. That's the best moment of your life at every single one. Cause it's all happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I can finally look at myself be like, you dummy, all of it, all of it's the best part. Yeah. Even the bad parts, you know? Yeah. Cause you were there. It was real. That's something humanity as a whole really needs to get their, their hands around their mind around. Like, yeah. It's like that shit I told you like 10 years ago. You were you were kind of glum about something or other. It wasn't even important enough for either of no. us to remember. But you just weren't having the sunniest of days and we were hanging out. And I was like, yeah, but it could always be worse. And you sort of were like, yeah, I know, but I'm still in a bad mood. I was like, yeah, but think about like how you feel right now if you had a really ornery crocodile attached to your leg via the mouth. How much worse this moment would be. And you're like, yeah, that would could suck considerably worse yeah they're like so right now is actually a lucky moment because the crocodile isn't there and you're and you i remember seeing your face like light up and you're like huh and then that kind of turned into the as long as there's not a crocodile it's a good moment yeah i i still think of similar like now when i find myself in glum moments i realize that uh the key phrase in there isn't glum, it's moment. It's what? It's moment. Moment is the key word in glum moment. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially with my history of of depression, you kind of realize it's cyclical. And eventually you get back to the top and then you fall back down to the bottom and then you get back up to the top. And, like, now my frustration just is within the cycle itself, but then I look at, you know, fucking nature, and I realize, like, oh, that's what it all is, is this fucking up, down, up, down, up, down, death, birth, death, birth, uh, bloom, die, bloom, die, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you get knocked down, you gotta get up again. Yeah. You know, you're never gonna keep you down. I try to get... <laughs> the immortal words of Chumbawamba. I try to get people to listen to Chumbawamba. I try to get punks to listen to Chumbawamba. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. They're a great band. These guys are like, they're actual anarchists. Like, they're true blue. Like, they sold the rights to that song <laughs> so that they could use that money in class action lawsuits against the company they sold that song to. Like, 
these guys are like the real fucking deal and they're great and they're punk yeah and like yeah sure they have a bunch of synthesizers and it's kind of dancey but who says you can't dance when you're a punk like why who who says you know who else had synthesizers the fucking clash yeah what's your point yeah yeah like, you know <laughs> you can be you can be punk and happy yeah. it's not that hard yeah oh that would be a wouldn't that be a interesting development in the scene <laughs> I, th- there, I there is some of it floating around like i really like this this punk band called pears pears um that you can tell they're having a good time even yeah. if some of their uh subject matter gets on the heavier side you know like lyrically but you can tell in the videos that they don't they're not taking it too seriously and they and they sound fucking great they're like kind of beach boys vocal harmony mixed with like the hardest hardcore you know it's just wonderful i'm definitely wonderful band i'm definitely gonna check have you heard them yet not yet but i just added them to my uh to my list of bands i need to check out so once this is over oh dude check out the song um comfortably dumb comfortably dumb by pairs it's like a play on uh pink floyd comfortably numb i thought it was a <laughs> and there's another one called uh i think it's called sleepy time or no 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 take a nap time to take a nap let's see song by pairs all right oh man like, Even... i heard i heard one song by them and instantly went yeah. and downloaded like two or three of their eps and and stuff that they had online and it's just great great i found a punk band that i think you should check out if you haven't they're called the garden and uh they'll go from called what the garden hmm. and they'll not familiar with that one they'll go from hardcore punk to drum and bass techno to like boom bap hip-hop back to hardcore punk and one song and it's just two dudes two twin brothers just being goofy, singing songs about slugs and being clowns and like a gorilla and phenomenal band. I love it already. Yeah. But Raya, thank you for joining one of my oldest friends coming on to this project that is so near and dear to my heart. For all the listeners out there, where can they find you? Do you have anything you want to plug? Your your audio just cut out. Where can they what? Where can they find you online? Do you have anything you want to plug? They can't find me online. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, remember, I like I took down RyanFraser dot com and uh, like four or five hundred videos off of YouTube yeah. and my my Facebook page, all Bandcamp, SoundCloud, all that shit's gone. Yeah, there's like two or three videos on YouTube, but. I don't care. And the page got uh, struck for uh, guideline violations for all those Occupy Wall Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Political songs and all that crap. So I couldn't monetize it. Like, it literally serves no purpose. Well, so what about my plan? At the, the best thing they can do is, you know, uh, just remember my name. And if they come across it somewhere yeah. or see me playing a show in their town or something check it out but i uh, the plan is to uh do a new album and then make all new sites 
you know, get rid of all my old emails, all that old shit. Just make yeah. all brand new stuff. There and is do it all over. Start from scratch. Just get rid of all the baggage from, you know, because that that channel, the YouTube one. Yeah. You know, I started in like 2006, and it's just got so much crap on it. I just remembered there is one place they can find on YouTube some of your music. And that is through uh, somebody that we both are fans of, uh, Harry Best, still has a reaction to one of your uh, to one of your videos that you uploaded. I don't know if that video in and of itself is still up, but the Harry uh, the uh, the Harry Best reactions video is still there. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's if I think he liked it. Yeah, yeah. He, because uh, uh, I was scrolling through and it popped up in my recommended, and I was like, I recognize that name. There's no way it's the same guy. And it was. And it was great. Yeah. It was great seeing somebody that I have never met listen to my friend and dig it. <laughs> but Raya. Yeah. I'm really, you know, I've been, I got it all written on the wall. I've been doing this like musical monk thing. Like since the, the lockdown, yeah. I've only played two actual shows. Uh, I've, I've, you know, showed up at a lot of jams recently, mm -hmm. just kind of getting like dipping my toe back in the pool a little bit, but I've just been practicing eight, 10 hours a day and writing and stuff. So I'm really like I sound like a completely different guitar player than I did the last time I was heavily gigging yeah. in like 2019, early 2020. And it's really, it's starting to show. Cause like I'll, I'll let a little bit of the tiger out of the cage at some of the jams and people like mm. have been really freaking out about it. And that makes me happy. Cause I put so many hours over the last two years, just practicing every single day. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to doing the next record and then putting all that stuff out and getting a new band together in a new town and just kind of mm -hmm. kicking the door open, just starting over. Yeah. It's gonna, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to it. The moment you drop that album, please send me the link, one, so I can purchase it, and two, so I can uh, post-humorously attach it to this, uh, this podcast episode so when people go back and listen to this one, they can be like, oh, finally, that album is dropped. Yeah. I'll put another song on there for you. <laughs> Please do. Now, uh, it's customary for every guest to recite a little Theravada Buddhist prayer. That is kind of the whole theme of the show. Uh, so if you don't mind, sign us off with that prayer, please. Aging is normal for me. Illness is normal for me. Death is normal for me. Thank you, Raya. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I had to read it the way you typed it. <laughs> oh, thank you, bud. I love you, man. <laughs> I love you too, man. 